Last week we talked about New Year's resolutions and uh, uh, goals, personal goals for your lives. So today we're going to be talking about um, support and accountability. How do we do that in the church? The church has an answer for these things. So the question is, uh, for the listener today, what hurdle is before you? You know, we could talk about it as a goal, but it sometimes feels like it's an uphill climb, right, to lose those five or ten pounds. (laughs) Uh, As we get older, it gets harder and harder. So what is our mountain or hill that's before us? Uh, For some of us, it's not only a hill, but it feels like we're digging ourselves out of a pit, Uh, uh, declining health, loss of relationship, physical things, even the losses of COVID. We're kind of getting out of this fog. Um, I know I, even with the weather, I can understand why people get, get depressed in Washington where it rains or it's cloudy like what? 89% of the time, right? Um, I'm getting a little bit of that as well. I mean, we've been, uh, what what is it? A, a, uh, they call it a a atmospheric river that's coming through, you know, just not just storm after storm, but just wave after wave of of, uh, moisture and storming. Coming over today, um, the actual theme verse, I think, is apropos. Uh, I have several here, but uh, when Jesus said, those who uh, listen to my words is like the person who builds their house on a foundation, right? When the winds blow and the waves rise, is the house, is your foundation able to stand? And driving over today, I just saw tree after tree down, 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 and uh, so applicable uh, analogy for our life. And then even more personal, on the way over here, right around the block, I saw a homeless person. And I was like, oh my gosh, that person was out last night in their little tent? So talk about surviving a storm, literally. Not just the trees, not just down fences and things like that. This person had to live, spend their night out in that storm. So the question is, what are our struggles? What are our mountains that we have to uh, uh, encounter? So even change uh, can be a storm of life. But Jeremiah speaks of God giving us a hope in a future. And today's message is the challenge is to shore up our foundation when the storms of life come. So today I'm going to teach you how to build a firmer foundation. Uh, In the church, we have the hope of building an authentic community to leave, cleave, and become one, we discussed. Um, For my non-religious friends that may be listening to this, um, you know, we go through changes, losses, losses of nuclear family, extended family. And for believers, we have the hope of being welcomed into God's extended family. And that's something that's exciting. Um, There was one sociologist that I love... uh, quoting over and over again. I should get, his, get their name to uh, give them credit. But one sociologist said, uh, life is about, you see some of those t-shirts, right? Whether you're into fishing or knitting or gymnastics, life is about whatever, right? That's like their one aim in life. 
But this one sociologist, typically, he's a sociologist, said something about life is about moving towards or away from relationships. Of course a sociologist would say that, <laughs> right? But life is about, I thought about that, moving towards or away from relationships. And it's really true, right? When we're, uh, when we're kids, we uh, are cling to our parents, and we get, when we get to adolescence, they don't hang around home as much anymore, right? They start moving up and away, and uh, we move, life is this dynamic um, um, ebb and flow of moving towards and away from relationships. But one thing that is solid, one thing that is our cornerstone, our firm foundation, is our relationship in God and the hope of establishing and deepening authentic community at any faith-based community that uh, you're around. It could be anywhere and any place. So that's exciting, whether you move here or there, whether it's called uh, Park Vista Church, Parkview Presbyterian Church, First Chinese Baptist Church, whatever the name is, God's community, uh, you could establish it anywhere. I'm going to give you some practical ways how to do that. If I just left the message there, I would leaving, be leaving the message in the dream phase, right? <laughs> very vague. So I'm going to give you some very practical things to do. So this is, could also be a mentoring session for Park Vista's leadership for January, which we haven't scheduled yet. <clears throat> um, so you guys that are in leadership, you guys could take notes. I want you to write down these three letters, S, A, and D, SAD. So hopefully you'll remember that. It's sad if a church community does, does not apply these three things. Today we're going to talk about the first two, support and accountability, S and A, all right? Support and account accountability. So we're going to talk about small groups. I'm going to talk about small group dynamics. And a small group, if done right with intention, can be a microcosm of the health of any church body. A church should act well like a functioning small group. So we're going to talk about how to create safe, faith-based community so it's not like a Forrest Gump type of church or small group. What did Forrest Gump say? Life is like a box of chocolates. Right? What, what did he say after that? You never know what you're going to get. And that uh, is a thorn in my side of uh, being part of different faith-based communities, um, having a desire for consistent community, consistent authenticity, wanting to invite friends and family to, to the church. But you never know what you're going to get, right? You never know what you're going to get for yourself or if you bring someone to church. You never know what your experience is going to be. So, <clears throat> small group ministries, cell group ministries, flock groups, shepherd groups, you can call it whatever you want. I encourage a healthy church body needs to launch, number one, needs to launch uh, 
Well, let me read a couple scriptures that are on the screen first. This is our motivation here, right? Examples of biblical support. I gave these last time, Proverbs 27. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Um, This message is a little bit different than the uh, um, exegetical messages that I gave through uh, uh, Genesis. Um, Scripture kind of just stands on its own. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. Sometimes I get a little wry sense of humor, and so my commentary on that verse is, who wants to be dull? (laughs) Okay? Raise your hand if you want to be dull. Anybody? No takers? As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. Hebrews 10, 24, congratulations to all of you. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So I congratulate all of you for weathering the storms, not staying in your pajamas, not listening to that voice of, I think I'll just stay home today. (laughs) And uh, uh, like I opened today's message, uh, with it being so cloudy and gloomy and those suffering from more depression upstate in Washington, it's important to get sun. It's important to get out. It's important to socialize. It's important to be there for one another, right? That is the motivation. And uh, that is the... uh, 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 motivation to grow and not to be so independent, not to be so private, not to be so American of just uh, being so fiercely independent that we are as uh, Americans. Asian Americans, are most of us Asian here? Maybe, mostly are. Asian Americans, we are very private, aren't we? We are very private. I thought about it. Why are we so private? You know, there are a number of reasons, right? Just, uh, um, I think Asians are quite industrious, hard workers, kind of don't have time for drama, maybe. Well, you may say differently. You should say, you might say, you should see the drama in my home. (laughs) But uh, sometimes we... uh, kind of suppress outbursts of emotions, right? Um, um, but in, uh, back in the mainland, our ancestors, you know, you can get killed for saying too much, right? Right? When you're in, in a communist regime or different uh, uh, political situation, you can get a lot into a lot of trouble for sharing too much. So there's... Some good reason, maybe, why we've inherited some of these uh, things. Okay, let's move on a little bit to some of the practical things that we can do to launch small group ministries. So this is not on the slides. Um, Number one. Launch small group ministries 
<clears throat> periodically with a start and stop date. So three months, six months, or something like that. That way you have an easy entry into a small group, especially for those that have never participated in a small group before. Like, oh, what are we going to do? Talk about our feelings? <laughs> you know, uh, maybe you're like, I don't do that. All right? So have a start and stop date. So it's not this lifelong commitment, like, like, this, like buying a house. <laughs> you know, once you do it, you do it forever. Uh, it's three months. And you know what? If it doesn't work out, you just take a break. Maybe you sign up for next time. You chalk it up to experience. All right, so that's number one. Number two, only launch groups if you have two facilitators, facilitator and a co-facilitator. This way, you uh, give the facilitators uh, a little bit of respite if they need it, <clears throat> and you also build in a little bit of replication. You build up the next generation of leaders, okay? Two by two. God sent them, what, two by two into ministry. So it's, again, this idea of community um, um, as we minister together, that it's not just all on our shoulders. Number three, um, ask someone to serve as a host as soon as possible, ASAP, okay? Ask someone to be the host as soon as possible, Um The, the importance of that is you want to keep your groups and the appearance of the groups and the health of your church open, not closed. Now, you may say, well, that's kind of silly. That's, isn't that assumed? Well, at the church I was at, we launched small groups maybe once a year and had people sign up and... Uh, uh, the problem with uh, uh, church ministries, my job description was constantly cha changing. And, uh, um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, if I was successful in one area, uh, at one point they said, Curtis, why don't you take all the small group ministries? <laughs> so, so my oversight went from, you know, five or ten support groups to, you know, another 50 small group ministries to oversee. <clears throat> so what I did was survey the existing groups, and I had to ask them, "Are you I'm, I'm going to add you to our list that people could sign up for, and I, I got a lot of pushback, believe it or not. A lot of pushback. More than half, I'd say 75% of the existing groups were like, we, can't take any, we don't want to take any more members. <laughs> you know, we, we've, uh, we've got a nice little culture um, that we're really gelling, and it's kind of like they don't want anything. To, they didn't want to say it, but they didn't want to change anything. So they were a clo they were closed groups, believe it or not. <clears throat> so if you have a host, the host is responsible for ensuring that your small group doesn't become a club, right? Make sure it doesn't become a club. So they were they are welcoming. <clears throat> Um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I taught self-defense, uh, for many, many years, and I decided to take some jujitsu lessons from the Gracie family, <clears throat> and one time I visited their shop in Torrance, California. 
the Gracie family is responsible for the UFC today. They started that. But I walked up and uh, I walked into the, the uh, foyer and I announced it was my first time here, right? Because everybody kind of knows their routine. They grab the car, they go to the locker room. I didn't know where to go. So I announced that it was my first time here. And then Horty and Gracie came out from the back to see what was going on, and I announced that. And his first words, Horty and Gracie was the founder of the UFC. His first words were, welcome home. Welcome home, brother. Welcome to the family. What a, what a, what a wonderful greeting, right, as soon as you walk in the door. Same thing as when you go to a restaurant. I think every church service, every church function should have someone designated as a host. It should be like every great service that you go into a restaurant. When you go into a restaurant, you don't want, you don't want to be sat down and be ignored, do you? Right? You want to be greeted by the host. Welcome. Have a seat. We'll be right with you. Every event should have a mind to welcome visitors and newcomers and those that are on the outside. Because God, uh, uh, what does God say about the 99 sheep, right? God will leave the, you all 99 sheep to go after the one, all right? So it's important that the church and functions don't become a club, all right? So a host is important. What do they do? They, uh, right, set the mood, just like uh, today, uh, Gary and Kathy had a hard time getting things started because people were chit-chatting, checking in with each other, all right? That's what this church should be. You guys know the routine, but for visitors, you know, I think that front foyer, there should be coffee in the morning, all right? Churches that I go to that are um, seeker services, you know, people are visiting, they have a welcome table, they have coffee and refreshments over here. They have a little welcome pack that tells them something about their church. And there's always a little coffee. So who doesn't like a little coffee in the morning or tea or whatever? So um, I think that's something that uh, we need to do. All right, let's move on. Um, number four, I think we're on our number one, launch small groups uh, with a start and stop date. Number two, have two leaders, send them two by two. Number three, select a host as soon as possible. Number four, select the type of group that it's going to be. Select the type of group that it's going to be. And this is something we could leave till another discussion or another message. There's kind of two tracks you could go on. One is a discipleship track, and the other one is a support group. Discipleship track, and a support group. I think those two areas are very functional. When people come to churches, maybe life is going great for them, what do you need to do? You need to get them plugged in and you want to disciple them. So Rick Warren's uh, Purpose Driven Church, you guys have been to the, through that book before, right? They have 101 class, 201 class, 301 class, 501 class. Once you get to 501, you've been kind of discipled in a sense, right? You've been uh, uh, given their curriculum. It's their catechism. The word for catechism is uh, a, an organized way to instruct people in the faith. Those that are Roman Catholic, 
Anybody have Roman Catholic background in, in your history? So they have catechism with a capital C, all right? Catechism. I mean, it's very formal uh, what you go through. If you're going to choose to become Roman Catholic, they teach you how to be a good Roman Catholic. And many other churches will have uh, whatever classes that they have, membership class, whatever, to teach you to be a good Baptist, to teach you to, to be a good Methodist, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one track, a discipleship track. And the other track I think that's very important is some type of recovery or support group. Recovery or support group, of course, this um, comes from my background at the church that I served in at First Baptist Church of Elk Grove. I was in charge of, I won't tell you everything I was in charge of, but I think the most important things of support groups are grief recovery group, maybe a divorce recovery group, and uh, we did 12-step uh, groups as well, Christian 12-step groups. And those groups are, had very high impact, and they met the needs of people in the church and community. They met the needs of the church and community. Um, it was kind of cool. We, um, I talked to someone of the Elk Grove Herald or whatever that paper was that people would get, and we would get free advertising uh, for these groups. And we got constant you know, inquiries of people in the community that came over from the, the Roman Catholic diocese over here because they don't talk about divorce over there. <laughs> they don't believe in divorce, which is, which is a good um, policy, but they don't support people that have gone through divorce. So uh, that's what I would get, calls from people uh, that belong to a faith-based community. But... What I was told is they don't do divorce, so <laughs> there's no support for people going through that stage of life. So um, select the type of discipleship track um, that it's going to be. We're going to talk about this more later. Um, the mechanics of the group is, uh, we're on number five besides uh, selecting the type of group, uh, but it's important not to miss the mechanics of the group that I'm going to share with you over being so goal-oriented. Because you could be part of a Bible study group that, you know, you're just so intensely into the Bible that that might need not be your need. For instance, I was teaching a senior's Bible, Bible study at First Baptist Church in the morning. And a gentleman came in. He was in his 50s or something like that. And it soon became apparent that he, he was going through cancer. He had terminal cancer. And uh, I was kind of thinking, of course, maybe in charge of the support groups, I was thinking, brother, I think what you need is maybe a support group right now, not more Bible study, <laughs> right? So um, some groups can be so you know, agenda-oriented as far as their purpose that they miss the support and accountability in creating authentic community. So let's talk about this a little bit more. Number five, launch the groups. So just like uh, the book, to, book of Acts, people shared and they met house to house. Ask for uh, what I call three by three. In the Bible, the number three is the, 
um, kind of a term for completeness. So three times three. You need three or more people. Ask three or more people to be part of your group. And number three is ask for... Um, ask for three or more people into your group and ask for a commitment of no less than three months. Three people for three months. There you have a time limitation. You have a commitment to it. Um, it's not um, asking someone to be in your small group forever. And I understand if you've been part of a small group and you guys have really clicked, you've known each other for 20 years, adding new people into the group is a little cringy. <laughs> sometimes, right? You're not really sure how it's going to work. One of our small groups at First Baptist, it became apparent, came up line, that one of the members uh, had all this drama. Drama, 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 drama. I mean, just, you know, you know we call it uh, emotionally throwing up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just dumping their their problems, their financial problems, whatever, on the small group. And it came apparent that this guy was kind of paranoid. And it came apparent that he carried a gun with him. It's okay to be a carried concealed weapon, but to your small group meeting? Nah, nah, that ain't, that ain't going to happen. So, of course, that came up line, and it came up to me of what we were going to do about the situation. So... I didn't want to confront this guy. You know? So what we did, we did the passive thing. We just dissolved that group. It just no longer met until further notice, you know, without confronting this guy directly. But yeah, that was not the right setting for that guy. So where was I? I understand the, the need to... Uh, the fear of having new people in your small group and community. It's the same thing here. Y'all say you want to grow, right? <laughs> Y'all say you want more people, but there's a certain comfort level with the people you have, isn't there? There's a certain comfort level. I come back 20 years later, and I, there's a certain comfort level. I have known you guys for a long time versus when you had a lot of new people. It's a little awkward. It's different, right? It takes work. It takes work. So um, you have three or more people, and just ask for three months' commitment. Uh, number six, um, the meeting context. The host provides and prepares the refreshments, greets the guests, <clears throat> especially the newcomers, and assimilates them into something new. And they maintain the empty chair. So you imagine a small group meeting, Ten chairs maybe facing each other, nobody higher than the other. And you always have an empty chair. And the host at the beginning or at the end of the meeting, maybe closing in the prayer or whatnot as we pray for each other, you have comment to um, who God is leading to your church fellowship. The empty chair. I believe that's out of uh, Willow Creek's uh, small group curriculum. So the facilitator. Um, oh, let's go back to hosting. Um, we're talking about the small group could be a microcosm of the church, right? 
The same thing here. I think we need coffee in the front, refreshments in the front. It's something that we could easily uh, do because people congregate around food anyway, and that's what I tried to model for you by bringing a little soup after the service because where there's food, there's fellowship, right? Where there's food, there's fellowship. Um, okay, next, the facilitator. What's a facilitator's job responsibility? Um, the great thing about uh, some of the support groups that we kicked off at First Baptist was, um, let me back up, one of the barriers to kicking off support groups, grief recovery, divorce recovery, is the reaction is we don't have the expertise to run those groups for the community. Well, there are wonderful curriculum that you could buy, and the facilitators of our groups maybe had some experience with the topic. Let's say grief recovery. You know, everybody's, you know, lost someone in their life. And if, they, if it's something, someone close to you, a parent, spouse, etc., you have been through that storm. And who better to lead that group? Maybe not have all the answers, but who better to lead that than someone who has been through that experience and has compassion for those that are coming together? So um, Zondervan has a, a wonderful grief recovery curriculum. It's 12 weeks, and it is taught by ministers, pastors, psychologists, counselors, have little cameos teaching on each subject. And it has and it has actual real people going through grief sharing their experience as well. So it's not all on just the facilitator. You don't have to be the expert. So the facilitator, facilitator I used to say, is responsible for putting the VHS, VHS tape into the recorder. <laughs> you know, that's all they have to do. And be mindful of the hour. Um, and then to um, articulate the group guidelines. And this is, these uh, few uh, group guidelines are important to uh, help create a safe um, environment for people to share and get to know each other and deal with whatever they're going through. So number one is to, let's see, I think I have a slide of this here. Oh yes, let's review that we talked about. Number one, launching small groups periodically with two facilitators. Ask for a host as soon as possible. Select a discipleship cur curriculum. Most important is to launch with some structure to ensure support and accountability. So we talked about a facilitator and their job is to, uh, their job is to ensure group guidelines. So they're kind of the recess monitor. <laughs> Okay, uh, you don't, the, the facilitator doesn't have to be the expert. So the facilitator needs to give an overview of the hour, the agenda, and maintain group guidelines. Number one, encourage people to share, keep their sharing focused on their own thoughts and feelings. Encourage people to use I language and to speak for yourself. It's so important to share nothing about yourself and to comment on other people's business. You hear that all the time when you're with your family and friends. 
people talk about other people's drama. Very, kind of notice that as you talk to people. If they're talking about themselves or if they're talking about other people. All right? So encourage the group to keep the sharing focused on your own thoughts, feelings, and use eye language. Number two, allow others to share by not interrupting, judging, or rebutting. Springboarding, which means taking over the conversation. So this is uh, so very hard to do. And if there are not simple structure with a group, and you could introduce these group guidelines in any church function. It could be a Bible study. You could be going in inductive Bible study. And then you say, okay, the last five minutes is sharing time. All right? By the way, these are group guidelines for sharing. We could do this at a board meeting. We talk about agenda item, this, that, and the other thing. And hey, we're going to have five minutes of just sharing time about a topic or whatever it is. By the way, these are the group guidelines. Speak for yourself. Allow others to share without interrupting. Judging what they say or rebutting what they say. Okay? Um, Stephen Covey, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, talks about try not to listen out of your own biography. He says that's what we do all the time. We listen out of our own biography. All right? If you're talking about, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, your politics, um, it's very easy, the first thing we do is to listen out of our own frame of reference, which is natural. But it's important not to listen and react out of our own biography and just to listen um, for what it is. Number three, listen with empathy, avoiding judgment or commentary. Let's listen to what James 1.19 says. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That is so good. And then fourth, above all, maintain confidentiality. And I've shared this with you before. Even to one significant other. Even to one significant other. It's so easy to go home to our significant other and just share our day with each other and the fantastic things that we heard or impactful or profound things that we heard, right? So if you want to uh, grow with depth and authenticity with those in your group, this is what you have to do. And, uh, you know, listen, as you share with each other, don't just uh, share everything with people. You kind of have to guard a little bit of how the other person is. Let's look at, uh, I don't think I have a, a slide of this, but I'll read it for you. Some wisdom scripture from Proverbs. Um, uh, uh, a lot of these principles come from scripture, um, maybe not articulated in this sense, but uh, these verses out of Proverbs talk about keeping things confidential and not gossiping. Okay, Proverbs eleven thirteen. a gossip betrays confidence. 
but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and the gossip separates close friends, okay? How many of us uh, experienced that when we were in high school, huh? <laughs> right? Uh, I, don't, I don't think... Uh, High schoolers don't have that uh, frontal lobe developed enough for uh, 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 self-control. So giving a, a juicy bit of uh, news or morsel, <laughs> uh, high school kids just can't contain themselves. They just can't keep a secret, right? What does this say? Proverbs 18. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. <laughs> They're just juicy morsels and a word of caution proverbs 20 19 a gossip betrays a confidence so avoid anyone who talks too much that's a good bit of advice as you enter into a fellowship as you talk with people all right if you hear people talking about other people all right um if they talk about other people, guess what? They could easily be, be talking about you next, <laughs> right? So avoid people who tend to talk too much about other people or gossip because that's just kind of what they do, right? And you know what I mean. If you've been to family gatherings recently, there's always that auntie or uncle or whatnot or relative is they always want to hear the latest news, right? the latest scoop, because that's all they talk about. And they get excited too, right? <laughs> Their eyes light up and they're very animated about the, the, the latest news. So, um, where are we at here? Um, avoid, allow others to share without interrupting. So springboarding is, so it's so hard to not interrupt. So if you learn to listen, actively listen, actively, if you just look up on the internet, what is actively listening? You can reflect the person's emotion. You can reflect their content. You could summarize their content without having to agree with them. So being a minister for part of my career, it's very hard to listen to some people, <laughs> okay? Especially if they're in the depths of their sin, they're in the depths of their ranting. They're in the depths of their complaining. They're in the depths of their anger. They're in the depths of their whatever. It's hard to listen <laughs> to these people. But actively listening doesn't mean you have to agree with people. So I see this in small groups all the time. Some people will share something. You know, uh, there's different layers of communication, right? You know, facts and trivia are up here that you could share with anybody on the street. Talk about the weather, right? The next layer is kind of your thoughts, my thoughts, my opinions, all right? And then deeper in are your feelings, right? Your feelings, emotions, and your dreams, your fears, and things like that. So um, it's important uh, to um, 
I lost my train of thought for a second. It's important to listen, um, avoiding, oh, you don't have to agree, yeah, you don't have to agree with everything uh, someone is saying. And the skill of active listening is a, is a wonderful tool, a very liberating thing as you uh, get to know people deeper and deeper, all right? And that, that takes away the fear of things. Because I've been, you know what I mean, you've been in situations before, you, you hear someone share something, and it makes you very anxious what they're sharing about. They could be talking about religion, their opinions on religion, politics, or whatever. And, you know, it just, you know, the, your shoulders go up to your ears because you're reacting to it, because you might not agree with it or whatnot. But actively listening, you don't have to agree with what the person's saying. So that's, a, that's an excellent skill to learn. Okay, um, wrapping up here. Above all, maintain confidentiality even to one's significant others and avoid simple answers because there are no quick fixes. Um, Romans 5.2 says, not only do we, do we boast, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. So, in summary, these are the simple steps that I believe small groups uh, can take on to whatever small group it is. Whatever, uh, doesn't mean it have to be a small group. It could be sharing one-on-one, -on -one, per partners. Um, asking for confidentiality, asking, hey, by the way, this is just between you and me. You let the person know who this is for, that you're confiding in them. It could be, like I said, a church board meeting. It could be a formal small group. These are practical ways that uh, the church can offer opportunities to build authentic community. And I close on this. Do you guys uh, know what the Chinese character for listening is? Uh, the Chinese written language is often very rich and interesting. The verb to listen is composed of <clears throat> the eyes, the ears, okay? Singular, one or single is kind of interpreted as, as your undivided attention, okay? And then you have your heart there at the bottom. If you're listening with your eyes and ears and your heart to a person, the king on the other side is kind of giving them deference, listening as if listening to someone important, okay? Isn't that rich, okay? We talked about listening. We talked about active listening, giving the gift of validating someone's whatever they're going through. Using your eyes, your ears, singular focus and listening with your heart. Kind of a beautiful depiction of creating authentic, authentic community. Well, that's all I had for you today. Um, the question is, what are our battles that we're encountering? What are our hills? What are our challenges? 
Without support and accountability, facing them is difficult. But I believe the uh, church and God has an answer to our struggles, to our uh, difficulties. And I believe, uh, in fact, the world's ills is that two are better than one, that we can uh, support each other and find authentic community. So let's pray. God, we just thank you for our time together. God, we thank you for uh, clearing the skies that we can indeed be together, one another, where we can kind of share and worship together. It's so much better than being alone, God. Uh, you give so but clear and poignant instruction that where two or more are gathered, you'll be here in our midst, that this is where life and love and um, growth happens, Lord, in community, where uh, iron sharpens iron, where we encourage each other on toward good works. God, we just thank you for those instructions and those uh, um, encouragement to not stay isolated, not in our, uh, in our struggles. God, we so much need to get away from the idea of uh, such fierce individualism and isolation, God. Um, so we thank you, God, for this church fellowship. And we thank you for the sharing and caring that occurs through various uh, venues and opportunities. As a church, <clears throat> organized church, Park Vista, First Chinese Baptist, God. We pray for the leadership, that we could plan for uh, being a good host, God, that we might serve up a warm meal for all those who come through our doors for whatever event, God. May we be faithful in our job and our tasks as we help in ushering your kingdom of God. So these things we ask and pray. In your son's name we pray. Amen.